take a time machine back to before the world went to hell. Around the year 2000. Like and subscribe on your favorite podcast app. And continue the conversation on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter. And if you're cool enough, join the show on Patreon for exclusive bonus content, specials, and early access to a longer, uncensored, less than 2,000 experience. And now, Less Than 2,000 with Adam Wentz and Chad Bischoff. Less Than 2,000. Now part of the Greenlit Podcast Network. Darren, you're here because not only are you a friend, but you're a patron. <laughs> Thank you for being a patron. Absolutely. Thanks. Our patrons get to be on the show with us. It's good content. Well, I mean, not all of them. Not all. <laughs> you, you still need to be screened. That's not. It's not an open invite. Like we know, Darren, your odds of being a guest are way up if you are a patron. So we're honored to have you because we're talking about a few good men. God, I love this movie. We did Night Court recently. And I mentioned that Night Court is a big reason I became a lawyer. The other reason being this movie. It was good. Absolutely. It was oh. good. And, I, I wanted... and what's funny is the only other thing, you got. You were saying the one thing you remember. When, we, when you said that Darren was coming on, I was like, oh, great. So we're doing A Few Good Men. I didn't even have to ask. I think I just yeah. made the assumption like, and we're doing, uh, yeah, of course, A Few Good Men. Obviously. Which is obviously what we knew. So I knew that before. I didn't even have to ask. I mean, it was right, right. there. Because in seventh grade, Darren and I did duet acting, and it was we just cleaned house. We oh, won yeah. every, I think it was we four for four or something like that in terms of the speech tournaments that we could participate in. Duet acting was about five minutes long, six, seven minutes long. It was. It was like eight minutes right uh, in there. It yeah. was a little bit long, or longer, shorter, excuse me, than the scene that right. we ended up doing. And I remember having to trim it down a little bit, not only so there could only be two voices, yep. but also for some of the content and then just to truncate a little bit so it fit in the time limit. Because remember, we were pushing it on the time with the adapted script. Yes, yeah. yes. And like we were willing to take a hit if right. we went over a little right. bit. Well, we so like, we'll lose the one point to get the other 49. Yeah, yeah. But you got to play Tom Cruise. Yeah. You, you played Danny Caffey. Tom Cruise in his prime. Yeah, that was back in. Oh, yeah. yeah. Well, he was coming off a of Top Gun, and he was he was in Cocktail was one of the ones I remember from back in that time. It was probably before Risky that. Business. Yeah, those were that was his prime time for sure. Yeah. So yeah, that was cool. I, I got to kind of strut around because I had that role in the <laughs> do it acting in our speech <laughs> in seventh. Could grade. you in could you reenact this now today? Do you still? I mean, we know do, it enough that you two. Could go and do it. We'll, we, we'll just have to see. We could do, yeah, I think we could do some damage. I, mean, I, I think we'll just try. <laughs> we'll just see if it, if we're, where we go with this. Yes. Yes. That, that's called a teaser. <laughs> like, let's, let's keep, maybe you'll find out. <laughs> Subscribe to Patreon. There you go. <laughs> and, so, then the, and then it's not there. Yeah. No. That'll be. It's so, so quotable. I mean, it's got a couple of the biggest, most memorable lines that I think maybe a lot of people don't even know where it came from. Like, do you want the truth? You can't handle the truth yeah. being the top ones. Did you order the code red? Those are lines that just are part of everyday parlance now. Yeah. Oh, yeah. It just turns into everyday conversation and everybody recognizes it, whether they know where it's from or not. But <laughs> I certainly remember. It's a, It's truly amazing what a, a mark this movie left on on film. Well, and, and the cast, too. It was oh, unbelievable. God. So it was, so it was Aaron Sorkin's 
play yep. mm-hmm. that he ends up doing the screenplay for. Mm-hmm. I think it was his first screenplay. It was, if I remember. And with so Rob Reiner. Yeah, and he was so something. I was looking up a couple of things just to jog my memory, and a couple of the actors, the actors, Cuba Gooding Jr. and Noah Weil, uh, who went on to, who were like not extras, but they were really minor roles, right. and now they're you know big deal guys. Right. Um, obviously, Demi Moore and Jack Nicholson as the leads, but um, Aaron, I didn't realize how much I liked Aaron Sorkin at the time. And he went on to go do several other things, like The Newsroom was one of the things that he did. It was one of the best shows ever. That was, that's, I mean, I don't know if, it didn't seem like it got a lot of pub, but it was on, what was it it even on? I watched all of them. Yeah. yeah. It made Jeff Daniels like totally revitalize his career. I thought of him as the guy from Dumb and Dumber. Right. And then you realize what amazing acting chops he has. Yeah. And now he can do the serious, angry, shouty stuff from like season one. Yeah. And super heartfelt, but intellectual and and all of that stuff. That was great. Oh, the newsroom is fantastic. Of course, West Wing was, was just ace yeah and then uh, you know social network and yeah yes i didn't realize and i could you can tell now after the fact but the way his writing is and the dialogue and how sharp it is you can really tell that that was that guy you know yes. going back on it now he got a little bit more precise or something later on and almost too sharp even in the newsroom kind of there yeah. was just it was almost just too totally. but he was really good right. and i think that's one of the reasons they got tom cruise is because he really liked the writing mm-hmm. and it was so well written and it had been a play and the whole thing so anyway Speaking of uh, speaking of the how good the writing is, just jumping around random thoughts, the courtroom scene, the big climax where Jack goes off and has the great monologue, and 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 you want me on the wall, and and you need me on the wall, that whole bit. So they shoot everything both sides in film. You know, they they shoot Tom's side one day, and they shoot Jack's side one day. Well, Jack brought that same level of intensity take after take after take oh, yeah. so Tom could get the reaction shots who basically didn't say a lot on his side but you know they could have played a tape or he could have just read it but he brought it 40 something times with that same intensity not even on camera and he said it's because you you very rarely get words this good to read as an actor I mean it, that, that is absolutely true and it's it's always interesting to watch on set the actors that that don't give that courtesy, you know, they'll phone it in from the other side. Like, man, that camera's on your close up, and they are on, and then they put it on yours, and all of a sudden the energy's just totally out of it and everything. And it's like <laughs> it's kind of rude. I mean, there are some actors that physically won't do it. I had a buddy of mine who literally they turn the camera, and he sees the co-star walking off set. He's like, I don't do off camera. Wow. And now he's stuck. There's a there's a prominent role. Mm-hmm. But like literally, he called. I talked to him from his hotel, and he was livid. I mean, he's like literally screaming because this actor literally left him alone yeah. in front of two hundred people to act on the reverse. I can't imagine trying to do that scene without no. both guys going, you know, back and forth. Like you know, like you know, when you're doing a play, yeah, there's no, you know, nobody's off camera. Everybody's on stage, right? So mm-hmm. I think maybe the part, the fact that it was a play first that was adapted for a movie. Yeah. I don't. Know, I can't imagine trying to do that with you know a stand-in or with a tape or whatever. I just. I'd love to see the playing play. off each other. I'd love to see this. Yeah, I would the, too. The original script. There were some differences, like like Markinson wasn't. He never reappeared. I think they found like a suicide note or something. Oh, I really? Saying like he. Ooh, never, that's a really powerful scene, though. He never came back. He yeah. was gone, and then the whole thing with the flight logs being doctored. I. I think I think the big twist was the flight logs. Like they did testify that 
they were doctored or something like that. Herman so O'Malley and Anthony Rodriguez. Yeah. <laughs> that's, that's great. You even remember getting <laughs> well, characters was, who yeah. don't even speak. Yeah. They just go to reaction shots. Yeah. But that uh, was also written by well, Aaron Sorkin wrote it when he was a, a, a he was a bartender or a waiter or something. Writing really? it on cocktail napkins. Wow. His sister was in the JAG Corps. His, so his sister actually did this stuff and was involved in a case in Guantanamo Bay where some guys didn't kill somebody but beat somebody up. So this really came a lot from yeah. real life or whatever. That's and cool. Right, what well, you know. And how much legal stuff has Aaron Sorkin done? It's either political oh, yeah. stuff or legal stuff or entertainment stuff. But if you follow him, every all of his scripts, if you watch all of his shows long enough, you notice the same lines. He reiterates like characters have the same... His pet lines and pet phrases sure. that he uses throughout the West Wing, throughout Studio 60, throughout the newsroom, Sports Night, if you remember that one. But, gosh, he's he's my favorite writer. I like his stuff. Yeah, it's 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 really good. I didn't know that I'd like everything that he did because that was an early on, early one, but yeah. I really like all of his stuff. It, that This this movie is about him becoming a man. Like, this is... Uh, I watched the uh, director's commentary track, so Rob Reiner's discussing what he thought the core of it as great as the courtroom scene is and there's no doubt that's one of the great moments in cinema history but for him it was the a a boy becoming a man story he's living in the shadow of his famous father his father was the attorney general of the united states you know civil rights lawyer big name his his every his, his father precedes him in everything and and he 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 not only just wanted to live the easy life but he was afraid of having to live up to that reputation and according to Reiner and I agree with it it's a subtle scene but when you really think about it when when he's drunk when Kathy gets drunk and Kevin Pollack the offbeat quirky character who doesn't really have a lot of serious stuff he's got the objection scene which yeah. is great yeah uh, I strenuously object <laughs> that scene but he's also got the scene where he's like um, you know between you and your father I would choose you six days out of the week and twice on Sunday you know and that was that was the turning the point talk, in yeah. Kathy's life yeah. where he's like okay I'm gonna do it I'm gonna become the man I wanted to be or should be coming to myself and and that's what the story is really about yeah the character obviously progresses a lot and, and then just to cap that off I remember the at the very end of the movie everybody walks out he's standing in the courtroom all by himself yeah. and I don't remember if he says it now for some reason but I'm, he either thinks it or it's part of the the play or something where it says, so this is what the inside of a courtroom looks like because he yes, flea bargained everything. Yeah, he does. You know, it. he'd never been into an actual <laughs> trial before. It's at the end of the first day okay. of, of when he goes in and pleads not guilty. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, so it's out of the very end okay, of the Okay, sorry, but, sorry. Yeah, but, yeah, but, my but he does, no, he does, yes. he does say that. It's like you realize, oh, he literally just <laughs> cut deals and never went to court. It's <laughs> so great, which makes it all that more impactful or powerful I think as yeah. part of the the story arc if you want to get into his character and the development over the over the course sure, of the movie. Sure. I love the the that that scene where he's where he's drunk, you know, he's falling down drunk basically. He's knocking stuff off the table. Yeah, soaking he's wet. ranting and raving, soaking wet. Um the do you or do you not listen to the advice of the collectively stupid yeah. and just raging drunk. Very next scene, he's driving. Yeah. <laughs> Very next scene, he's driving. Kevin yeah, he goes to get Joanne. Yeah. He goes and gets Joe in the rain. It's like, pulls up. Come on. And he's yeah. sober suddenly. Come on, yeah. I'm going to put Joseph on the stand. Come on. <laughs> and then that, that has the weirdest dissolve. 
I don't know why. Then yeah. it has this like fade out dissolve to I, it. I'm having like, deja vu. Did you and I talk about this last night? The driving drunk scene? <laughs> no. Because that's literally the note that I, the one note that I prepared was, I can't forget to talk about. He's wasted. Yeah. <laughs> and then he drives to go get Debbie Moore. Since we seem to and be out of witnesses, sober. I thought I'd drink a little. And yeah. he just. <laughs> Let's talk about Colonel Jessup as a character like. When he he's so self righteous, oh, yeah. and so sanctimonious, I love it because he. I love villains that think they're right, yeah. and he thinks he's right. And how dare you question me? That that whole that how yeah, and and sleeps under the very uh, blanket of the freedom that I provide, and then questions the matter yeah. in which I provide. It. Yeah, um, I would rather you just said thank you and went on your way. Or, or you know, pick or, or pick up a weapon and stand a post. Like those are your options. Right. Don't question me. I'm a. I'm and and we we're making this country stronger. We're saving lives. It's like who are we at war with? Like yeah. <laughs> you, you are just so sanctimonious and so righteous. And and, and that's in the movie. Caffey uh, uh, says it's peacetime. Yeah. <laughs> what's, the, what's, what's the big deal? Why are you? you... I right. Right. So, 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 I, I, you know, that type of thing exists. You know, he's on his own, literally on an island where he's treated like a king. Oh, yeah. Where he's getting that service by the waiter and the white, uh, you know, tablecloth and all the fancy tableware. And, 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 he, and he's just, you know, I'm going to get on a plane and go back to my base. Right. He doesn't live, he, he's almost kind of like a, like a General Kurtz in Heart of Darkness. Like he doesn't live yeah. in the same yeah. reality. Detached from reality. Does. Well, that's part of it too. That's what the defense was. Was Caffey was trying to say, look, these guys were following orders, and then there's a reference to. I think Sam actually says, you know, don't compare them to the Nazis. They were following orders, something like that. Mm-hmm. But they were trying to illustrate how you don't question the orders that you're given. You have to follow them. That was part of the deal. You know, the guy called the ambulance. You know, he's trying to say, look, these are good guys that were following orders. They thought they were doing the right thing, mm-hmm. living in their own world. And obviously something bad happened, but they didn't mean to mm-hmm. have somebody, you know, they were going to shave his head, I think is what the yeah. the other Marine who has two lines in the whole movie, who never says anything. Yeah. It's like, we were just going to shave his head. <laughs> like that was the code red. They were just going to tie him up and shave his head and yeah. say, you know, don't do that again. Yeah. I The, the, the fact that his self-righteous tone is what was his undoing that's yeah. what's so great about well yeah him. and that he's set up and he had to bait him so into... brilliantly set up with the are yeah. we clear crystal you say in danger grave danger oh no you want me to read it again it says grave danger <laughs> and all this stuff it, it, it i can have the court reporter read back to you <laughs> <laughs> I read back to me like i'm some kind of why the two orders and and that, that is my... that, that is that is <laughs> That that's talk about brilliant writing. Oh, yeah. You know, you set it up, but you don't see it coming. When you look back on it, it's actually kind of obvious. Wow, this guy's digging his own grave. Oh yeah. <laughs> I like, mean, the judge even says you don't have to answer it. Yep. Yeah. You and don't have to answer and, that but question. He's so egotistical and in his own self righteous head that he's like, I am going to answer this question. Yeah. <laughs> like, like it's insane. Well, and he taunts him. He taunts him to do. What are you going to ask me? My favorite color? Yeah. And, and, and yeah. is it, please tell me these aren't the only questions you have. These Marines' lives are in your hands. You it's know? so condescending. It's so condescending. He's daring him you to can, do it. Yeah. And then he just gets up and walks off the stand. Yeah, they have no res- You can tell that he has no respect 
for pretty much anybody in the room, mm -hmm. uh, including the prosecuting judge. attorney, the judge, anybody, even though they're all, you know, well, I, I think. Um, what kind of outfit are you running here? <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> you will address this court as your yeah, honor. I'm quite certain I've earned it. Yeah. <laughs> exactly. God, that's, there's so many good lines, um, but you can just tell how self-important he is and how he's, like you said, totally disconnected. I think Kendrick is the same way. Mm -hmm. And then Markinson is the guy who actually knew, hey, let's just get him out of here. He's not cut out. We should transfer him off the base. Yep. It was It was neat seeing the way those characters were set up next to each other, you know, and had the differing differing viewpoints you know and then of course markinson can't can't live with the decision that he's made you know what i mean which was JT awesome yeah that was such a good character and, too and the, when he's in the back of the car and he sneaks up on him yeah. it's, it's it's uh he another great understated performance and i can't you know i really can't imagine the script without that so oh yeah kind of one of the reasons i want to see the play let's talk about demi moore and joanne galloway great performance great character i mean she is very strong powerful not a litigator no. uh, at all. She's not good in the courtroom, but she's a genius attorney, really gets under Tom's skin. And, Strenuously object. And, and makes him <laughs> makes him be man up, really. Yeah. But when she goes toe-to-toe -to -toe with Colonel Marcus, yep. or uh, Jessup, and, and, and just that, you know, asking for the records and not flinching, yeah. when he's just straight up insulting her. Like, oh, yeah. It's, oh, yeah. It's really uncomfortable. Y'all yeah. watch the edited versions, or Chad hit at least. <laughs> yes. But, but it's very, it's very, you know, for him to say, you haven't lived until you got a <laughs> from a superior officer. And it's just so. Oh, is that what he said? Because I watched. <laughs> I, think, I think I think my version was like, "You haven't lived till you've taken a kiss on the cheek from a superior <laughs> officer." <laughs> like it was just some watered down PG well, crap. This is Snake. Hey, Snake, it's Sam. Who are you, Sam? From the brand new PlayStation podcast, Polygon Symphonies. Is that so? Yeah, it's a podcast that's exploring the PlayStation library. Impossible. Well, not really. Each week, we take a game, play it, and then we rank it in our grand list of games. Is that right? Yeah, it's available on iTunes, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts. I didn't mean to sound sarcastic. That's okay. Just check out Polygon Symphonies, the PlayStation podcast from the Greenlit Network. Hi, we're Ellen, Steven, and Mark, hosts of Nice Games Club, the show where nice game devs talk gaming and game development. Topics include programming, design, tools, and more. We also do interviews and one-hour game jams. Listen to Nice Games Club wherever you get to your wherever you get to your podcast. You get there, <laughs> or at nicegames.club. I'm not sure a film like this could be made. Today, so I, I'm, this is a, this ah. is an ongoing thing. Oh, Chad and I have this season. We need like a new musical, like yeah. you know, whatever <laughs> Adam transitions to a movie like this. Of today, I want to be made in 2021 because yeah. it's so. All it is is a brilliant script and brilliant acting. That's it. I mean, the directing was fine, but I think there were a couple times where some of the dissolves and things. I it was I kind of whatever. Dissolves, it was the acting and the in the script. That's it. We there's, didn't need nobody died. Yeah. There were no explosions. No special there no, effects. There was a gunshot no shot CGI. off screen. Yeah. It, um, and and there. I was, mean, Rob directed it like it was still a play. Yeah, he like really did. Like it's off screen. You never see any of the the, the, the murder in the beginning and and this. You never see it. And, and just a suggestion of there's not a love story. There's a suggestion of that subplot, but in any movie made today, they would be. 
point. There would be a moment in this script no, where they no. were having sex, Demi Moore and Tom Cruise. You couldn't have both of those actors in this movie and not have we, them we're... doing the Top Gun sex scene. I'm telling you, that would happen. <laughs> I'm, if this I am, am absolutely no. That would not happen today. I'm telling you right now, it's less likely that it would happen today. Today, unless it's HBO, unless it's HBO where they're just selling the sacks every episode, <laughs> they're not doing that. It made no sense to the story. No. And if they would have had a sex scene in this movie, it would have been a letdown. And I'm yeah. pro sex scenes. I'm care- <laughs> sex scenes. But this would have been out of place and and out of character. Mm. And if you're going to do it, at least. At least make it be character driven. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it know? wouldn't have. It wouldn't. It's better that there was tension between those two actor, those two characters, yeah. and not an actual connection like that. I mean, they go to the bar the one night that they're off. Yep. Mm-hmm. She shows up. She's like, I don't, I don't do anything else. Are I just you work. Me on a date? Yeah, I'm pretty. It's what it's, I've been asked out on dates before, and that's what it sounded like. <laughs> so do you like seafood? <laughs> She's great. It's very awkward, but it would have. It's better, I think, that they were awkward and, and, and professional. And it, that's just it. You nailed it. Professional, that they can have two professionals doing their job. They're not distracted by it. Yes, of course, there's like some sexual tension. It's Tom Cruise and yeah. Demi Moore sure. in their prime, sure. you know, late 20s, early 30s. Again, tremendous writing. Congratulations, uh, Aaron, for your work in 92. Yeah. Um, you're an okay writer. You're there, not okay. Yeah. You might have a career. You got, yeah. You, you might need to do this more often. You keep it up. Big things are ahead for you. Forty million dollar budget, thirty-six to forty million dollar budget. Most of that went to the actors. I mean, twelve and a half went to Tom. Five million to well, and to it Jack. wasn't. There was no. They said they couldn't use a military base or something. Yeah. It wasn't endorsed by yeah. any of the military no, branches, really so they cool had to do it on a soundstage. And the like, military it couldn't saying, be. Wait a minute! You're saying we cover up murder? Like, yeah, I, I can understand why. <laughs> yeah, they're not. The it United might States not be endorsed. Go, Come on in, no. use our base. It's cool. Yeah. Well, so the and the title is a few good men, and apparently that was the Marine slogan before they went to the few, the proud, the Marines. I mm. think it was. We're looking, we're looking for, for a few, a few good, good men. men. That's yep. the title. Yep. Um, that was a cool. 243 million that's pretty good that's that's pretty good on a 40 million million dollar budget i'm surprised for just a drama with like three sets and and a bunch of big name actors or who would well some big and some who would become big yeah i mean they they were big i mean this was their logical next step as actors to come together and be a part of something this amazing but again you don't get that without good writing and without a good story and I, i just you know i think I think this here's the sad reality. You say this film doesn't get Adam. There's three of us now. So I gotta say, <laughs> yeah. Adam, you say this film doesn't get made today, yeah. right? And and you know, and it's not being made without this glorious sex scene that's in your head, I guess. Yes. But the reality is, I don't think this film gets made today because it's not Marvel. Mm. It's too oh. simple, you know. And that's the sad reality of where. The consumers' heads are at, and what they're buying tickets to, they're 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 going and seeing. They want to see the HBO crap. Mm-hmm. You know, I'm not saying HBO. I mean, they make good stuff. There are good. There is good entertainment out there. But this was a thought-provoking courtroom drama mm-hmm. with the biggest celebrities on the planet, or what would become the biggest celebrities on the planet. And this film would not get made today. Yeah, no studios would have the hardest time greenlighting and risking what would now be the equivalent of what fifty-five, sixty million dollars. They would not spend sixty million. But they could make a quarter billion. Like, <laughs> but only if people go see it, right? 
Right. You know, what are you going to over gonna, half so of that was international? Who's, who's in this movie today? Jennifer Lawrence. Right. You know, and mm-hmm. and who's you know Chris uh, Chris Pratt is. I mean, who? You, I mean, you just you don't make this movie today, mm-hmm. and that's sad. But it's not because of what you think. It's because it's because they're not putting that kind of money into these kinds of projects. Yeah, I guess just times have changed. I don't know. You guys are into that so much more than I am. Uh, no, I'm not. I, well, you, yeah, and I was like, take me out of that. No, I'll take me back to 92. But you know about what movies get made and why they get made. And I not because of the content or because of the misogyny or the um, the message or the characters in the movie, but just because of the story, because it doesn't have all the uh, CGI and special mm-hmm, effects yeah. and the action that you might think about. They'd try to inject some of that maybe. Yeah. and it, it would be too... I, I feel... I mean, I can't, you can't quote me on this, but I mean, I do feel like it's such a simple, straightforward, beautifully written script that they would have a harder time greenlighting it yeah, today because yeah, of that. Yeah. So it used to be you did the big studio movie that made a lot of money. Then they would turn around and they would put 20, 30, 40 million dollars into an, into an yeah. art house piece yeah. or something that maybe would be higher risk. But they don't even do that anymore. They leave that to the other smaller companies okay. and they don't even bankroll those. And so you can't get the $40 million to go do something like this wow. today. You have to do it for 15 and then you're not getting Jack Nicholson, mm-hmm. Tom Cruise, no. Demi Moore, yeah. all the way down to Cooper Gooding Jr. for one scene. Yeah. You're not getting all of that cast on that budget. And so that's where that's just where it's, it's, it's kind of sad where the industry has gone as a whole. Colonel, I have just one more question. If you gave the order, that Santiago wasn't to be touched, and your orders are always followed, then why would Santiago be in danger? Why would it be necessary to transfer him off the base? Private Santiago was a substandard Marine. He was being transferred. not what you said. You said he was being transferred because he was in grave danger. Well, what, I was mumbling something and you cut me off. I could have the core reporter read back to you I don't have to have it read back to me like I'm some kind of... Why the two orders? Colonel? Sometimes men take matters into their own hands. No, sir. You made it clear just a moment ago that your men never take matters into their own hands. Your men follow orders or people die. You snotty little... I'd like an answer to the question, Judge. If Kendrick told his men that Santiago wasn't to be touched, then why did he have to be transferred? Colonel? Kendrick ordered the code red, didn't he? Because that's what you told Lieutenant Kendrick to do. And when it went bad, you cut these guys loose. You had Marcus sign the phony transfer order and you doctored the law books. So I'm asking you, Colonel Jessup, did you order the code red? You want answers? I think I'm entitled. You want answers? I want the truth. You can't handle the truth. Son, we live in a world with has walls and those walls have to be guarded by men with guns. Who's going to do that? You... You, Lieutenant Weinberg, I have a greater responsibility than you could possibly fathom. You weep for Santiago and you curse the Marines. You have that luxury. You have that luxury of knowing what I, of not knowing what I know. Jeez. Santiago's that Santiago's death. death, while tragic, probably saved lives. And my existence, while grotesque and incomprehensible to you, saves lives. You don't want the truth because deep down in places that you don't talk about in parties, you want me on that wall. You need me on that wall. We use words like honor, code, loyalty. We use these words as the backbone of a life spent defending something. 
You abuse them as a punchline. I have neither the time nor the inclination to explain myself to a man who rises and sleeps under the very blanket of the freedom which I provide and then questions the manner in which I provide it. I would rather you just said thank you and went on your way. Otherwise, I suggest you pick up a weapon and stand a post. Either way, I don't give a damn what you think you're entitled to. Did you order the code red? I don't. Uh, no, no, no. Did you order the code red? You're right, I did. <laughs> oh, that was great. Oh. I remember most of Jessup's actually too. You, did, you, were, you were with him the whole way. Good it's work, so man. good. It's thanks, so Sarah. good. Yeah, no, hey, thanks for having me on. Yeah, yeah. That was fun. So good to see you, man. Great to see you guys. Yeah.